Good morning, church family. What a worship set. That was great. And then as I looked up here uh, and saw on bass, there was Eric Johnson. So, yeah. We're so proud of that little boy. So, uh, what... Okay, and then I'm up here, so I have no room to talk, right? But um, seeing Eric playing is the transformation power of God, right? I know your testimony and share a similar one. And uh, yeah, the fact that he's up here, I'm up here. God transforms lives. How many of you know that? From alcoholic to drug addict to uh, messenger of him. You turn your life and will over, and he transform it. You're never the same. You'll be playing bass. No, I, I, okay. Man, I was just really proud of you. Okay, I got to get over that. Um, if you don't know, uh, the shoe boxes that are up here are, have been collected by our church, Sunday school. People have been bringing them in, and uh, it's cool to see them. And I have this secret that I got to tell you, and I shared this at 8 o'clock. Now we're going to be on the radio, internet. I want to beat the Methodists. <laughs> and I don't mean like physically, you know, I want to beat them in collecting boxes. It's a healthy competition, right? All right. Well, nobody else is with me. Okay. I thought I was going to have a charge, but we want to get more boxes. And uh, here's the cool thing. Like if you just pick one of these up, like I'm going to, and dump it all over inside of here. Oh, cool. There's like a tennis ball and a yo-yo. And, you know, that might just be enough to tell someone Jesus loves them. How simple that really is. And, and we saw it on the video how amazing one shoebox can just transform someone into God's kingdom. What a joy. We get to do this, isn't it? And so uh, I'm also preaching. Uh, I know Luke is nor He's something there. Okay, I see him. So... Um, it's our annual review time. No, I'm joking. Uh, make sure you tell Pastor Luke uh, happy birthday. It's his 27th anniversary of his 20th birthday. So be sure and tell him, give him a big hug. Uh, this is what's on my heart to share with you guys. You are ministers of a new covenant. You're ministers. We're ministers. Uh, raise your hand if you knew you were a minister. Raise your hand if that scares you. And then, yeah, Luke says, and raise your hand if you don't like raising your hand. Yeah, <laughs> right. Here's the hard part. I feel so inadequate. We, all of us, we get to minister for God. A holy, pure, righteous God. Do you feel like you could adequately display him? That's how amazing he is is he gives you his spirit to do just that. You're a minister. You're a minister of his covenant, of his word, and we're going to unpack that in Corinthians. Uh, so let's stand and let's read for 2 Corinthians. If you have this Bible in front of you, open it up. Go to page 1146. And we're going to be in it through the whole time, so you might as well grab your Bible. It'll be on the screen for verse 1 through 6, and then that's all. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 6. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? 
You yourselves are letters or a letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, your truth. Lord, we thank you for your Spirit, your divine nature, in your people. You are constantly at work transforming lives uh, to play bass, to transforming lives to preach, transforming lives to live out as a minister. Thank you for the calling on each life here. And Lord, help us to yield to you, to run to you, and to be filled with your spirit in order to live out this new life. Thank you for calling us, calling us, calling each of us to be your children. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this is our kickoff here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we are going to go through th chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and possibly all, So uh, and back to 1, and then back to here. For those taking notes, I know you're totally confused now. So right here at the beginning, chapter 3, verse 1, he, Paul starts off with saying, are we beginning to commend ourselves? And Paul was preaching to the Corinthians, but before he'd already written them a letter of how to correct their life. And some of them were like, well, hey, who are you to tell us how to live? Who are you? Where did you get your credentials? And who gave you this and who gave you that? And so he defends himself. But as soon as you give yourself any glory or any rising up, right, people discredit you. You're giving yourself glory, therefore it's no glory. Okay. Paul says it this way. Do you need a letter from us? Do we need to hand you a letter of recommendation? Do we need to travel around? And that's what they were doing in, the, in this New Testament church. They would travel around with a letter for a recommendation. And this is what Titus did. This is Timothy. They went around with a letter from Paul saying, receive him as you would receive me, right? Receive him. And they would travel with the letters of recommendation. But Paul founded the Corinthian church. He was there and preached to them. In fact, like two and a half, three years of his life was spent with these folks. And then he's challenging them. Do you need to see credentials from me? Do you need to see me again to have credentials? And he's like, you're my credentials. You're written on my heart. And then he says, not only that, you are the epistle of Christ. You're the written word of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but really start to take this home for yourself and think about it. You're the Bible that people around you read. Uh-oh. What version are they getting? The self of Seth Bowker version, my selfishness? 
right? If I'm the version of the Bible that people are reading, what are they reading? Does it even have to do with Jesus at all? Or does it have to do with work and money? I mean, what type of the Bible epistle, and take that into your own life. I can't answer that for you, but I know it convicts my heart. As a professing Christian, I've shared this story before. I remember when it was colliding, like me trying to walk out Christ, actually trying to be a pastor and be a witness, and I, I, I mess it up. So I always like sharing my faults and my failures. Maybe it makes you feel better. I don't know. But I was called in order to preach a sermon at a funeral, and I had no idea who this person was, the family, anybody. Just, okay, if I'll go. Yes, Lord, I'll go. Two days before I went, I walked into Circle K, and I can give every excuse in the book of why I was, had a bad attitude, I was the version of self, Seth, right, that most of you know really well, and I walked in, and I just let that clerk have it, right? I mean, you messed up my Polar Pop and my hot dog, come on, bro, like, don't mess with that, like, really a big deal where I'm running this person, like, come on, man, it's, it's on sale, like, it's two bucks. Maybe it's not a big deal to you guys. Okay. For me, it was a big deal, and I lost my witness. Just like, come on, man, you can ring this up. Like, kind of give them a what for. And you guess who was the first person when I walked into this funeral as Pastor Seth? Yeah, you're putting the story together. I walked into the funeral. Here's the clerk from Circle K, a gentleman. And, oh, it was like, yes, Lord, walking over to him. Sir, I treated you horribly. And I could give you every excuse in the book of screaming kids in the van, and I, yep, and I just needed a hot dog, and you messed it up, right? I'm looking at John. You know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> what version of the Bible did he get? Did he, have any, did he have any desire in him to be any part of Jesus? Especially if I'm the pastor? No. It's the same thing with all of us. Wherever you go, whatever job you're in, you're the Bible that others are reading around you. What version is it? Would it even point to Christ in any way? You think about Paul challenging them. You're the epistles. You're the writing. And then he also goes on, and we're going to move over to the next chapter, chapter 4. Not only are you the word... Look at chapter 4, verse 7. I'm on page 1147. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. What treasure do we have in this body? Anybody with me? What treasure do I have? Holy Spirit. All right, so in this body, I have the nature of God in me. I have the Holy Spirit in me. So in this jar of clay, I have this treasure that surpassing power belongs to God and not to me, not to us. This power belongs to him and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, 
always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So not only are you the word of God that people read, this is also saying the manifestation of Jesus Christ in your life. You're the Jesus that others see. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of pressure going on right now. How are we doing, church? How are we? I fail. I fall. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us. He washes us, cleanses us from all unrighteousness, sets us back up and says, all right, go back out in the world. Try again. Shine the light again. Be the word of God again. Be Jesus to someone again. Go try again. I know you mess up, but stand back up. This is the call. It's a call to every minister here, and you're all ministers of the new covenant. We have this surpassing power, but it belongs to God, not to us. <laughs> you're the word others read. You're the Jesus others see. This is the covenant that we live in. This is the ministry of the new covenant, and it doesn't stop. We're going to go over to chapter 5, verse 14. Grab your Bible, keep up with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might not live any longer for themselves, or might not live long... I can't get it, hold on might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Here's the key, ministers. Here's the key. And might take up your cross daily, deny yourself and follow him. That's the key. The ministers that are alive and hearing me and you know you have Jesus's heart and Jesus's divine nature in you, don't live for yourself. Don't be a version of the Bible of self. Don't be the Jesus self. Be what the Holy Spirit wants you to be, and that is a witness of his love and his glory, his goodness, the transformation power of Jesus Christ in you. I love that Paul keeps challenging him, like make it your aim that the love of Christ, you see the love of the Christ, of the cross and Christ, and that compels us. To no longer live for me, but to live for him who died for me. He's calling out to each of us. But don't stop there. Let's keep reading 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. It says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And here it is, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I'm saying a lot to you, but right here, we have our message, we have our ministry, it's all set out for the church. And what is it? What's the big word that I read? Starts with an R. Okay, thanks. You got to be with me or you're going to fall asleep because it's hot in here. John, wake up, buddy. All right. It's snuggy time. So reconciliation. It's a word that isn't used a lot, but it's two parties coming together. Okay? The meaning is two parties at war coming together. Two parties at enmity coming together. And let me tell you, the ministry of reconciliation is the cross of Jesus Christ. God has a hatred and a war going on with sin. And raise your hand if you're alive. Okay, you're a sinner, and so am I. And the war is going on, and we're guilty of sin. We're going to be punished. But God reconciles us to Him by the blood of His Son. And it says He doesn't count their trespasses against them. It takes the enmity of a holy God and a sinful person and brings them together. That's the message of the church. Be reconciled to the Father. Be reconciled to a holy Father. It's not just the ministry, it's the message. And if you know Him, if you know God and you've been reconciled, that's the vertical. God and I are good. Should I be reconciled to people too? Somebody, the baby agreed. The Bible's very clear that if I'm reconciled to God and I have the ministry and I have the message, I should not be at war or in battle with anyone. I should offer them forgiveness and love to live out the message to them. So not only are we the word that people read, we're the Jesus people see we might be the only chance to reconcile, to show them the truth of the gospel. This is a minister of the new covenant. This is you. This is me. Jesus reconciles us to himself. And let's go on. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. What's he using, church? What's he using to make his appeal to the world? What do we lack? Nothing. What do I tell my head I lack? Yeah, thanks for answering that for me. Yeah, I do lack. Yeah, we're hearing you preach. You lack a lot. Yeah, we got it. But that's the battle, isn't it? That's the battle in the mind and in the heart. It's like, God, I don't have anything to offer. He goes, I know. Get with me because he's got it all. He is our sufficiency. He is everything. He's the power. He's the spirit. He's the strength. He's the glory. What do I lack? Nothing. But what do I yield? 
everything. Yeah, you guys know what I'm supposed to do. You got this down. Thanks. But it's no different as your ministers. Yielding everything. Ambassador is a great term because it means representative. One who goes on an errand. A messenger. Heaven has sent out its messengers, its errand people, and it's us, church. You're the message they read. You're the Jesus they see. You're the reconciliation they need. The cool thing is, it is all from God. If you go back with me to the beginning, chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I read it to you earlier, but it starts in verse 4. It says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. Church family, sufficiency, it's all from God. I know we can all battle in our heads. Well, I can't, I don't know, I don't know at all, I can't. You know, some of the greatest gifts that God has given us is our suffering. Do you share that? We want to talk about spiritual gifts and preaching and teaching, but some of the best blessings are suffering, but we don't look at them that way so we don't share them. The Bible, I'll say it, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and God of all comfort. Did you hear that? Have you, have you ever received any comfort? In your suffering? That's God. He's the God of all comfort. The enemy, the devil, the world, they're never going to send comfort in the suffering. But guess who does? God. He's the God of all comfort. So when you receive that and you're suffering, God is there. He's with you. He won't leave you or forsake you. Some of you are answering like, yeah, I'm there now, I know. He is with you. He loves you. <laughs> He's sufficient. Our sufficiency is from Him, for Him, and to Him, and through Him. Man, I can battle with this so much. Like, Lord, you want me to do what? Yep, go do that. This comfort, I'll, let's go back to chapter 7. I'm going to share this with you. 8 o'clock didn't get it. Chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to read one verse to you. Verse 6. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 6. It says, well, i got to read the verse before. Now it's 5. Okay. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. Did you hear this? This is Paul. When we came into this country, our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn. Got me? 
Turn this way, affliction. Turn this way, affliction. Turn this way, affliction. There was no rest. We were in like a despair. There was nothing. There was a hopelessness on us. And he says, but God. Verse 6, but God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of, who does it say? Titus. Did you hear that? I don't know if you've ever been in despair, you've ever been broke, you've ever been at the lowest point of your life, but one person walking in to that hell that you're living in is comfort from God. He didn't say someone else came. He said a man came walking in to the affliction on this side. Affliction, affliction, affliction. A one man came walking in and it was rejoice. Someone's here in my suffering with me. Oh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. And he goes on to say, so that when we are in tribulation, when we're in suffering and we receive comfort, he says, then take it, church. Take the comfort and find somebody that's suffering. Find somebody that's broken. Find somebody that's hurting and grab them and say, I know where there's hope. I know where there's reconciliation. I know where you can be made whole and clean and pure and holy without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. And it's one person from the church walking in to despair and to hell and saying, let's go. I know where Jesus is. You're the ministry, and you're the message. You're what they're reading. You're what they're saying. Is that your message? Because, church, we're desperate. There's no other life but the life of Christ. There's no other way, no other way to freedom. He's comforted. We have a charge. Ministers of the new covenant. Ministers of Jesus. We have a charge to live it out. And what do you lack? Nothing. Who's your source? Jesus. And I can tell you, I can quickly tell you, when I'm the source, ooh, people don't get good things. I got to apologize and be humbled. But when I'm tapped in to my Father and His Spirit, there's no greater purpose in my life than to hand out His love, hand out His word, hand out His truth. And when I tap into self, oh, they get the wrong Bible. And I do a lot of, ask my family, I do a lot of apologizing. But what's cool is He cleanses us, He washes us, He gives us new mercy. He says, let's go again, son. Let's go again, daughter. I'm not the daughter. You, you are. Okay. Make it sure. There's hope, family. Every heart, every life. Let's go share it with a dying world that needs it. As our band comes, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Think about your life itself before I pray. Just with your eyes closed and your head bowed. True ministers 
You're Christ's instrument. God is the author of all good things, including comfort. Are you ministering? Are you ministering with his spirit or your own? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that challenges us to run to you, to run to life, to run to your spirit. And Lord, may we walk with your spirit. May we be the people that have your spirit in us, living out the word, living out your love, living out your reconciliation. May those around us see Christ in our lives. And Lord, forgive us when we fall. Pick us back up. We need new mercy, Lord. We need new comfort. Give us that fresh start that only you can give by washing and cleansing and giving us your word. What a joy, Lord, to be washed by a holy God and to be set on a mission. Thank you. Thank you that we're your children. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, maybe uh, you're here today and you already know him, but you just need a fresh washing. The altar's open, and maybe if you don't know him and you need that first wash, the altar's open. Come, let's, let's take it all to him. Let's stand and sing.